Welcome back. Welcome back to the Rewind. So, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you getting all soulful. I love it. Good I, I, It's you, man. You inspire me. You inspire me with that theme song of ours. And every time I hear it, I just like, ugh, I want to sing like that. And I sort of pretend like I do, even though I really don't. Hey. We're all accepting Grammy nominations when we're like in the shower. <laughs> um, so, welcome back to the Rewind. I'm Keenan. And I am Jonah. So, we have decided to uh, give you another Cancel Cast episode again. I think it was really fun last week. I know I hadn't thought about New York Undercover in a minute. And it was just a show that I really enjoyed watching. So uh, that was fun. And we decided that we're going to talk about two other shows that we felt were canceled too soon. Mm -hmm. So before we get started, um, we are trying to minimize the top of the podcast so that we get right to all the juicy bits that y'all enjoy. But I feel that everyone will now be very invested in Messer's journey post-surgery last week. So, Jonah, do you want to give them a little update on Messer? Yeah, he's, um, he's doing better. He, he went through surgery okay, and he, uh, he had to stay four days in the hospital, which were the hardest four days of my life, and also his, I'm sure. Um, he was conscious for it, <laughs> but he um, he's come home and we've just been recovering here at home since then. And it's just been like a, a you know, one day at a time sort of like healing journey of, you know, some days are better than others. Uh, he gets like today, he was pretty moody and really anxious today. And I couldn't figure out why. And I'm always afraid he's in pain when he's like that. Um, but I think he was just in a mood <laughs> like his dad gets sometimes. <laughs> um, but it's just like his, my life at this point, like my days are centered around his routine of like medication and like dressing his wounds and, or his incision and, um, and making sure he's comfortable and, and medicated and sedated and uh, so that it doesn't interfere with the healing process. And so, um, yeah, everybody's been super supportive of um, of that and really, um, really kind and gracious to me and reaching out and checking in and everything because everybody, everybody that I know um, knows that how much Messer means to me. I've had him for six years. He's such a, he's my like whole world and I'm his whole world and um you know, that's my baby. And so everybody's been super sweet about um, the, with the support and love. So I really appreciate that. Well, I'm going to do a little shameless plug. Uh, there is a GoFundMe to help cover some of the costs of that surgery because it was insane. So I think when we do socials at the end, you should tell them how to get to your GoFundMe page. Okay. Um, 
just because I don't mind plugging. <laughs> Shoot. We're not asking y'all to pay for this podcast. You're not having to listen to commercials. <laughs> I'm not reading any copy about something that you are not going to order. So the least you can do is help, <laughs> help pay for the puppy that had to get sliced and diced. Uh, well, I'm going to make that the new like, like GoFundMe campaign slogan. Help pay for the puppy who got sliced and diced. <laughs> Oh, I have a way with words. <laughs> what can I say? Indeed, you do, my friend. <laughs> um, so, um, I'm using all the ums. I really want to get all my ums out. I don't want to. I do a little secret, everybody. I I try to cut out many of them. Clearly, I can't get all of them. The podcast would be like five minutes, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, no. I, when I was listening <laughs> to last week's episode, I was king um, because every, it seemed like every other word that I said was um to the point that it was almost triggering. I would hear it and I would just like, mm-hmm. just start convulsing and, and like anger. Like, oh, why did I say this many ums? Like, yeah. did not even think that I, that was such a chronic problem for me until I heard myself back. Because I cut them for the most part. <laughs> Uh, I imagine we were, it has to be an exhausting like process. I mean, I've definitely done audio editing before, um, and and I've had to do that, but I feel like not to the extent that you probably have to, especially when you're editing me. <laughs> and I bet you're like every time you're having to do it, you're probably like, "Why do I host a podcast with this asshole?" Well, <laughs> I only use, ever says um. <laughs> I say like a lot, and I rem- uh, I, at the top of. The last episode, I think it was, I said like maybe five times in one sentence. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm from Mississippi. Why do I say that so often? Uh, okay. It's your oh. version of a y'all. <laughs> but I use y'all <laughs> regularly. Y'all is the most inclusive word out there. Mm. Literally. It has no gender attached to it. It's super inclusive. It means everyone. It is the most inclusive term. You all. Yeah. I guess we can hop right into the shows. Yeah. Do you want to do that? Do we have any, do you have any corrections from last week or? Or regrets? No. (laughs) No regrets. But I have to say, like, your lighting situation right now, it's just hitting me. Like, it is so on point. There is just, like, a, a totally even like glow like a very warm glow on your end right now Mm. and i don't know what that's about is it like what is that no i just have the two lamps on i don't have my ring light on because it's i i didn't adjust anything like i'm just sitting at the desk facing the wall Mm -hmm. um so i guess the lamps are at a really good spacing and it's very even. I, or maybe it's this just is a, your natural glow. <laughs> I mean that too. It, I'll, it could be the wine. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I certainly glow when I've had. <laughs> and uh, notice, I so there was a bit of an issue. Look, here's the here's the top of the podcast talking that happens. But I'm going to tell this story anyway. <laughs> um, we can't uh, get away from it. It's just no, inevitable. Should just we, lean into it. 
we started a little early and then Jonah's internet went out and I just kind of kept talking and I was like, hmm, well, I'm just going to have a sip of my wine that's in a beer glass because I didn't feel like digging out a wine glass. Classy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I keep it classy 24-7. And again, podcast, not a visual medium, but... Uh, but we're enjoying each other's like visuals. Yeah. So we got to give ourselves a little something. We give them the ear candy. At least we can enjoy the like eye candy like the eye candy the eye candy. <laughs> wait what does that mean what it is, isn't that what you say when you have like a hot date when someone's very attractive you're like oh they're eye candy so what they're is like ear super... candy i've never heard ear candy but i would assume that it would mean that something that's sweet to the ears like pleasing to the ear nails mm-hmm. on a chalkboard not ear candy Mm-hmm. Whitney Houston, ear candy. Mm-hmm. But now I have to look it up because it could be something completely different and have nothing to do with the eye candy uh, scenario. It's probably something I just literally made up at this moment. <laughs> someone, uh, someone listening, <laughs> Google ear candy and tell us if that's real. It will Don't. not be in an episode wrap up. It will not be in a correction no. situation. Do not make them do that. Do not Google ear candy. Do not waste your precious life's minutes on, <laughs> on doing that. Oh, my stars. Okay, so good times, everyone. So let's hop into these shows. I'm going to go first this week. Yeah. So I am doing the 2012 to 2014 series called Revolution that aired on NBC. just say that NBC is not a station that I was like I would catch things on I don't think I've ever watched anything on NBC as it was running originally until maybe that show and I can't remember if Supergirl was on NBC or CBS CBS okay yeah because I watched Supergirl on CBS I love that I'm not even a like a fan of Supergirl and you are like a raging fan and I know that. (laughs) Well okay so those two stations in my mind are the same. Is it the is it the B that throws you off? I don't know we I never watched anything (laughs) so like when we when we didn't have cable growing up it was PBS the local ABC affiliate the local Fox affiliate So I would watch those shows, and then when we would have cable, it would be those channels plus maybe like Nickelodeon, and then later when it became part of the package, the Disney Channel. Um, And the WB, like the WB was definitely, it got so much of my attention. So much of it. I wonder if that whisper comes through. 
<laughs> um, I heard it okay. Okay, good. So yeah, I. But anyway, so. Um, the roommate and I at the time decided we we're gonna watch this show called Revolution. I was like, I don't. I don't know how to feel about it. I'm typically into like supernatural stuff. I don't want to deal with anything that exists in the real world because the real world sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Revolution is an American post-apocalyptic science fiction series that ran from September 17th, 2012 until May 21st of 2014. It was canceled in May of 2014. The show takes place in the near future of the year 2027, 15 years after the start of a worldwide permanent electric power blackout that happened in 2012. So like one day everyone's chilling, watching TV, fiddling on their phones, and then all of a sudden there's no power. So, and it's not like, oh, my phone's battery died and I can't charge it. Like anything that was powered by electricity was dead. Like it just couldn't exist anymore. So your phone died, your television switched off, all the lights went off, cars stopped. Cause think about it, like cars are running on like power. So cars stopped, planes fell out of the sky. Like it was mm. serious, crazy shit. Like, can you imagine like, ah! Uh, okay, so anyways. So the show was created by Eric Kripke, and it was produced by J.J. Uh, Abrams' Bad Robot Productions, who's supposed to be doing that Justice League Dark series on HBO Max that I'm doing is another it, podcast about. <laughs> okay, Eric Kripke, isn't he uh, also the creator of Supernatural? Let me check, because he's done a lot of stuff, and I have a window open because I was like, let me get to some of his things yes he did supernatural and the boys Mm, yeah because okay so that's why it's first in my head because i literally just saw a tweet i'm sorry i'm hijacking your like moment here but like i just saw a tweet where jensen ackles was joining the show like joining the boys and it's it's helmed by eric kripke i think and that's the connection there because supernatural so will there be a season three of the boys or is he going to be a part of the spinoff i i haven't looked into any of the like the boys like the show just wrapped like the the season finale just wrapped and we'll talk about that on what i'm watching because i had a moment of joy in a scene so later we'll talk about the boys. So he's don't talk out- too much because I haven't seen the second season. <laughs> oh no, no, there, I'll be as vague as I can possibly be, but I have to express the joy that I had okay. in that moment. I think I even tweeted about it because I was like, ah. <laughs> um, so yes, Eric Kripke, he did things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and that's the title of the episode, folks. Yeah. <laughs> If your show is created by Eric Kripke, that's what it should be. <laughs> um, so, um, blah, blah, blah. He produced, it was produced by J.J. Abrams, Bad Robot Productions, which will be doing the Justice League Dark series for HBO Max. Please release some information about it because I'm doing another podcast about it. Let me catch my breath because I said all that in one thing. It originally <laughs> aired on Mondays at 10 p.m. Eastern, so it was 9 Central, everyone. 
Mississippi's in central time zone. So I, should we just going forward, adjust everything and just say central? I guess if you think it's important. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I'm just like, I don't want to have to explain this every time. Maybe people understand. I don't even understand why Eastern is the standard for all the things. I feel like they'd figure it out. <laughs> Whatever. I don't even like, it's not like they're going to be tuning in. So, um, film director John Favreau directed the pilot of the series. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, admittedly, I am the worst at, like, recalling those names and attaching them to works that they've done. But I'm like, I know John Favreau, he did some Marvel stuff, right? Was he, yeah, wasn't like, he Iron Man? in Iron Man? Like, is it the John Favreau that I'm thinking of, who is the actor who was also, like, he dated Monica and Friends, like, way back when, in the early 90s. I, like, dated so the actress or dated the, like, dated was on the, the show? Character. Dated the he character. was on the, he played, a, he played, like, a character on the show who was dating, like, for a few episodes, dating Monica. And he decided to randomly become a boxer. And, like, it was just a weird arc. Um, it's so Ooh. random that I know that. And also Iron Man and The Avengers. That's cool. He was happy. I, I don't think I've ever seen, well, I, I've never seen, like, this is John Favreau, and then saw his picture, but he was happy on Happy Hogan and Iron Man, so, like, he was not only, so it says he served, uh, he directed, produced, and appeared as Happy Hogan in the Iron Man film. He also served as an executive producer for and appeared as the character in the films, like, Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron, Spider-Man Homecoming, yeah, blah, 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 blah. So anything that Happy Hogan was in, that's fucking cool. And he's also doing stuff with Mandalorian. I did not realize he was that that, that so big behind the scenes. I only I ever really knew either. him as an actor, and I had no clue he was involved with Revolution. That's really interesting. That's fun. Okay. Look at me learning stuff as I go. Woohoo! And teaching us. I know. Okay, everyone. I must admit, I had this information up. I scanned over it. I did not read it in depth. I just wanted to at least be able to have some sort of cadence as I read it to you all. Let me get my place back. And uh, so in October, NBC picked up this show for a full 22 uh, episodes, but it was later reduced to 20 episodes. So the first season has 20 episodes, and the second season has 22. So the show only ran for 42 uh, episodes. There was a trailer for season three, but uh, it was canceled at the end of season two. And it ended on a crazy cliffhanger. Wait, so there were only two seasons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was not thinking there were more than that. I was mm-hmm. thinking there were like three or four. No, and it was at a point where like we were, we found out about, let me, let me just kind of like, I'm going to work through some things and then we'll do a little bit of discussion because I've not watched the show since I watched it air. It's, you can pay to stream it on Prime so you can rent it on Prime or buy it on Prime but at least on Hulu, it's not there. I do not have Netflix. Everyone, I, I know everyone does not. You people don't know that I am in a uh, trial separation with Netflix. Netflix is always doing too much and they stress <laughs> me out. <clears throat> so 
we have been happily separated for a year and uh they have some stuff on there that i really want to watch so i need to uh resubscribe okay so season one of the show was filmed in and around Wilmington, North Carolina. Many of the scenes were shot in historic downtown Wilmington and on campus of the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. How many times can I say Wilmington in a sentence? It's a mouthful. In April of 2013, the series was renewed for a second season of 22 episodes. It was filmed around Bartlett and Granger Texas season two was a little different than season one and we'll go into a little bit of that in a second um fans started a petition to renew or relocate revolution as of January I think people were just trying to bring it back to get some kind of re re resolution resolution or, for revolution yeah that should have been no that's too long for hashtag no one's helping <laughs> uh so the petition uh, got 101,358 signatures with a goal of 110,000. Um, the series was not renewed, but back in 2015, there was, I believe, like a four-part comic book series released to wrap up the show. So they were going to take whatever the, the idea was for season three and they turned it into a four-part comic series to, to give people that, that kind of, here you go. This is, this is what you wanted. So I'm, I'm, that would be cool to hunt down. Did that have <laughs> the support uh, and, and involvement of the show creator? Yes. So I have a letter that he wrote in 2015, and then I have like an IGN article that talks about the cancellation that I was gonna go through. So we're gonna run through some basics of season one and two and uh, talk about what they had planned for season three. Uh, I'm not gonna go over all the characters because it's just a lot. There were six main characters that were in all 42 episodes. Um, two of which, uh, the daughter, I don't recognize her from anything else, but as I've been re-watching uh, Zoot, um, Once Upon a Time, two actors from the show who were in the run of the show have like storylines in Once Upon a Time. And I was like, oh my God, it's that guy. And it's that one of the ladies played the Snow Queen and I was just staring at her where do I know her from? She has a very distinct look. And she was in Revolution. And also, sidebar, like, the daughter that you're referring to, who was like a primary character in that show, she is currently on Chicago PD, I believe. Yes, I did have her IMDb pulled up because I scrolled through it and I was like, I don't, I don't know any of this. <laughs> <laughs> she did, she did uh, three episodes of Bates Motel, but I didn't really see anything on here that she did an episode of Supernatural, but the other was really nothing on here that made me go, oh my God, that's old girl from this thing. But one of the main characters who appeared in all the episodes that played her uncle, he was a dad, like Bella's dad in all the Twilight movies. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, he, he is very recognizable. He's been in a lot of stuff. Um, 
And he also was, he starred as a serial killer in The Closer, the Kira Sedgwick mm -hmm. TNT show that I love oh. so much and have all the seasons of. Uh, but he played a very like intense character who popped up throughout the series um, and, and all the way up to Kira Sedgwick's last episode. Like he was a big part of the ending of that okay. show. Um, He's a very good actor. I, I really like him. There is um, Giancarlo Esposito, who is in so many things. He's he's definitely a that guy. Oh, he is he, he. Okay, he's that villain from that from Revolution, right? He's the villain. Yeah. He is also Probably Gus Fring. Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. I think. Yes, he's in he's in Breaking Breaking Bad, which I've only ever watched the first episode. He plays uh, the guy that owns the company that makes the superheroes and the boys. He he's a he's the head of Vought, which you meet him this season. I don't know if he is in season one. I don't I don't recall seeing him in season one. Um, I could be wrong, but. Um, Oh my God! He's the narrator in Dear White People. Oh, I see you, Mr. Esposito. He's so good, but he plays uh, Sidney Glass, who's the magic mirror and the genie in uh, Once Upon a Time. And I find his relationship with the evil queen slightly problematic. Uh, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that guy who's in so many things he is definitely a that guy but those are just some of the characters that appeared in every episode and one who i specifically wanted to call out to you because he said that line that made me fucking weep mm -hmm. and zoe uh crap what is his name Zach so Orth. he played uh howie yeah he, he uh. was in he did he was in every episode of uh Revolution and his his uh, girlfriend, I think towards the end of season two, would have ended up playing a big part in season three. Um, so, season one, of course, series set in post-apocalyptic near future. Uh, it's 2027, so it's not so far away as it was in 2012. Uh, 15 mm. years earlier, there was the blackout. Uh, which caused all the electricity on Earth, ranging from computers and electronics to cars and jet engines, to disable permanently. As a result, trains and cars stopped where they were. Ships went dead in the water. Aircraft plummeted from the sky and crashed. In the years after the blackout, people adapted, as we do, to the new world without electricity. Um, because government and public order uh, collapsed, Several areas became ruled by uh, militias and their generals. So it was like the Americas were kind of broken up into different factions. Um, the series begins with the surviving Matheson family, who's like the main, the main family of the show, uh, Ben and his two young adult children, daughter Charlie and son Danny, who now live in a village near Chicago. Uh, he wears a small pendant around his neck that is the key to not only finding out what happened 15 years ago, but also a possible way to reverse its effects. 
Sebastian Monroe, uh, Monroe Militia General, and self-appointed president of the Monroe Republic, whose borders are the Mississippi River and the old states of Kentucky and the Carolinas, is searching for the pendant so he can use their power to take control of the entire North American continent. In the series pilot, Ben Matheson is killed, so he's the patriarch of the family is killed, um, and his son Danny is abducted by the Captain Tom Neville, our friend Mr. Esposito, of the militia. The remaining Matheson family joined initially by Miles, who is Ben's brother, and has a very uh, complicated history with not only the mother that we will meet later, who played the Snow Queen in uh, uh, Once Upon a Time. The actress Elizabeth Mitchell. Yes. I love that you know her name. Very talented. Yeah, I, as much as I, there are parts of that, of season four of Once Upon a Time that are super cringeworthy. She, her performance was so good. So the, the remaining Massa family like meets all these people along the way as they're uh, now on the run from the Monroe militia because if I'm not mistaken, the daughter gets that pendant and the, and so she's on the run and they're, so you get these cuts between like the people in Monroe militia and them questioning the son, her on the run, trying to get to her uncle. And then the mom is elsewhere and you're getting cuts of her story until they all kind of meet up. So this was the opening introduction of the show for season one. We live in an electric world. We relied on it for everything. And then the power went out. Everything stopped working. We weren't prepared. Fear and confusion led to panic. The lucky ones made it out of the cities. The government collapsed. Militias took over, controlling the food supply and stocking up on weapons. We still don't know why the power went out, but we're hoping someone will come and light the way. Mm. I love it. Uh, So we hop over to season two. You have, you know, they introduce some new people. You meet the Patriots who are, they look like they're going to be good people. And then you have someone, they're trying to restore order, but they're really trying to like hype up the chaos so that they can come in and be like, look, here, here's this guy's going to be the president and we're going to, we're going to make things good and better. So the themes in season two and the settings of the series changed. Uh, The Monroe Republic is no longer the primary enemy uh, and they were being replaced by the the Patriots. Sebastian Monroe uh, becomes like this uneasy ally to the Matheson family. uh, And most of the actions, like, because they're making their way to Texas, uh, there's still a considerable, uh, a lot of traveling going on. They start to learn a little bit more about the pendants and the power starts to come back. There's this point where like these nanites, they use the nanites to heal Zach Orth's girlfriend and then she becomes possessed by them. And they want to like understand all that is being human. So she becomes this very like interesting character throughout the show. And so that leads you into what would have happened in season three. And this is what Eric Kripke says about, like, this is what they planned. So, oh, that's so sad. He said, it's going to be great. 
is going to be the kind of treasure story where they're going to hear a legend or a very mythic of, of a very mythic treasure. It wasn't going to be gold. It was going to be supplies. It was going to be the incredible stockpile of supplies. All the good guys and all the bad guys in the show were going to fight for the gold mine and materials and supplies and yada, yada, yada. It's going to be fun. I mean, he was clearly very, like, hopeful about what was coming. And I found a preview for season three that I may, like, share on Twitter when we post the episode because I was like, fuck, I want this. Why didn't I get this? And I'm glad I didn't see that preview then because I would have been salty as fuck. Hey, why was there a preview if it got canceled? I guess, let me see if, I didn't see, I wonder if they thought they were getting picked up and it got announced super late. Did they end up filming? Does that mean they ended up filming like that some happened of- because there were some there were scenes. So they maybe they had some like side shots done because the show was canceled in May of 2014, which was the end of season two. So it's, unless they announced, maybe they had a different. Um, maybe they filmed the show a little early, so by the time the show was over, they were recording or filming because they would have had to have something to put together for upfronts because aren't renewals normally announced in like February and April or March, March and April. Yeah. In the spring usually. So they probably were under the assumption that they were going to be renewed. And then they're like, lies, lies. (laughs) Psych. Okay. So I'm going to read the IGN article that talks about uh, the show being canceled, and then we'll hop over to Eric Kripke's letter that he wrote in 2015. So this is an article by Eric Goldsman on IGN.com that was written May of 2017. Revolution has come to an end. NBC has canceled the series from executive producer J.J. Abrams, Eric Kripke, and John Favreau, and it will not be back for a third season. The series had debuted to very strong ratings in the first season, but lost steam as it progressed. A move to Wednesday this season, away from its great lead-in on Monday, The Voice, unfortunately proved the show hadn't developed a very large fan base of its own. Then why would you move it? I never understand why, like when a show is so established to come on on a certain day, and they're like, "Mm, no, sorry. It's like you're moving the tiles around and, and like, how can you possibly expect it to, to find solid right. footing? Right. So this is, um, Revolution came into the 2012-2013 season with a lot of high expectations, given who was producing it, uh, but then received a lot of criticisms throughout its first season. Uh, the writer says, I was among those who felt it has greatly improved in season two, becoming a much better... Uh, better-paced, fun, and witty show, and more likable characters. Unfortunately, though, the viewership never rebound, uh, the viewership never rebounded, leading to it to come to an end. So, I mean, that, it was clearly ratings that lost the show. I remember being excited because it seemed like it was going to be a, a female-led show, albeit there was, there were very few people of color outside of, uh, Esposito, like, who 
was so great at being a villain. He was mm -hmm. so good in that show. And then his son, uh, who was girl. Oh yeah, I remember the son. Yeah, because he was supposed to be Charlie, the daughter's love interest. Uh -huh. So they had a lot of back and forths there. Um, but you know, she was kind of that trope of just like, I'm, I'm gonna go out on my own and I'm not gonna listen to anyone and I'm gonna keep secrets and, and you know, just, just every teenager or young adult on every show on television that just won't tell anyone anything. And it's, it was one of those shows where no one told anyone anything and then everyone had to deal with, with the consequences <laughs> of not. Which so, if you don't already know this about Kenan, that he loathes that, that trope. <laughs> I'm just like, like, tell, that it's something that's happening on Once Upon a Time right now that I want, and it's like, and even when the characters keep saying, we have to stop lying, we have to come clean, and then they keep not doing it, you're like, don't give me that dialogue about them, no, like, realizing mm -hmm. that what they're doing is stupid, and then have them keep doing it. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Um, and then there was a lot of, uh, queer baiting going on because I felt like the uncle's character and the Monroe character had a lot of history. So they they had some very intense moments where you're like... Well, yeah, because if I recall correctly, the uncle served... Yeah. Uh, he was sort of a, like a villain-esque character character like in the past well they started the republic together the mm, uncle and and, right. and monroe like they started the and republic they were best together. friends yes i want to say they served in afghanistan together because like when the blackout started in 2012 so like they were at least able to use like what was going on currently to serve as part of those characters backstories uh so they served together had this bond but I, I just remember those characters playing off each other so well, especially when they made it to the same town and they were interacting. And those flashback scenes, it was very like, how <laughs> to kiss? Um, which, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the tropes I ran across on that tropes TV tropes.org website. The, uh, the like, is this character by question? Um, so I'm gonna wrap up with a very uh, like cute note from 2015 from Eric Christine to the fans talking about the little comic book. So April 2015, Eric Kripke writes, Dear Revolutionaries, Patriots, and Soldiers of the Monroe Militia. I'm like, were people really, are they calling themselves? <laughs> and why is, all those words that feel triggering to me right now. I'm just like, mm, I feel like they all stand for a racist. All, all the racists are using those words. Um, uh, so first of all, thank you. Seriously, sincerely. The loyalty you've shown Revolution these past months has been touching and overwhelming. It's meant more to me than you'll ever know. And in case you were wondering, yes, we've been listening. We've read the tweets. We've seen the incredible petition. We've followed Relocate Revolution. Please know that you've been heard. 
and solely because of your efforts, we wanted to pay you back to give you something fantastic. And while unfortunately, we simply can't make more episodes of the show, alas, there are financial realities we can't overcome. We can do the next best thing, which is in the story on our terms, exactly the way we would have. So JJ, John, and I, I love that. I'm like, just humble brag, JJ, John, and I <laughs> are pleased and proud to announce the Revolution Endgame, a four series comic, a four issue series coming soon from DC Comics. Go ahead, DC. If you take a look at the attached photo, which is not on this page, and y'all couldn't see it anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <Pointless> you'll, anyway. <laughs> you'll see that we brought back the entire writing staff to work on it. That's cool as fuck. That so is to, like, pretty rad. That's cool. The band's back together. I love that. And if you study the photo closely, you'll notice a certain young, plucky Matheson who also joined. Oh, I wonder if it was the sun. I don't, I want to say what happened to the sun, but I don't want to say it. Uh, and I didn't right. real, I, uh, I'm not even going to go on this. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone has generously agreed to work for little or no money. Oh, wow. They're doing it because like you, they're passionate about the story and want to see it incorrectly. So stay tuned. We've got lots of work to do. We'll keep you posted in the coming months. You can expect more details, sneak peeks, and early artwork. But Miles, Monroe, Rachel, Charlie, Aaron, Neville, and the rest will return from the for the epic finale to the Revolution storyline. We hope you're as excited as we are. And again, thank you. This is because of you. This is for you. Much love, Kripke. That's a sweet, like, that's very sweet effort by him to take yeah. a moment to really speak directly to the fans. Because, you know, like, it's, I think it's oftentimes forgotten among um, the Hollywood executives and even the creators of, like, these shows that the fans become so attached and invested to these stories and to these characters. And when, when they're taken away from us so soon, it feels like a death in a way, you know, like yeah. it, you, you kind of grieve it, especially if you're really into that show. And, and as a viewer, I, I watched Revolution religiously every Monday night, both yeah. seasons. Um, I remember it. I remember I was, I worked in newspaper at the time and I remember I would have like board of education meetings I would have to go cover earlier in the evening. I remember thinking, oh, I hope this board meeting just would wrap the fuck up so I can run home and watch like Revolution because I had cable. I didn't have like, you know, streaming wasn't really a thing then and I didn't have uh, like a DVR or anything at the time. And so I couldn't exactly like record it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was like always like a race to get home to watch that. Um, and I just loved I love that story, and I don't remember like how the like what the cliffhanger was exactly, but I do remember being so disappointed that we didn't get more of that. Yeah, the power came back on. Oh right. Okay. I see. I thought that happened in season one. No, if I'm not mistaken, through season two, they learn more about the nanites and um, what to do with the necklaces. Because they, they were what, they were necklaces that ended up being like jump drives. 
And I think there was like maybe coding on each one. So what I don't remember was, were they trying to create a weapon and the weapon backfired and turned off the power? Or was it done on purpose? That I don't remember. And I don't even know if that's an answer we got in the show. Mm, I can't recall either. Hmm. If y'all know, let us know because I do not remember. But it was such a, it was it was such a great show. I think at the time it was a concept that we'd not seen. I was like, okay, again, not a whole lot in the diversity category. I'm like, y'all are in like North, especially season one where they're in North Carolina and a lot of Southern states. I'm like, you mean to tell me <laughs> that there are more black people around? <laughs> like. Where they at? Where they at? <laughs> yeah, it, that one's a problematic. But um, I, I do appreciate the unique concepts. Um, it didn't feel like something that had been done before, and I love a yes. good apocalyptic show. I will say, I think it was, I think it was hard for that kind of show, with that kind of premise, to survive on a network anyway but i think it would today do very well on a streaming platform mm, like netflix mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like netflix mm-hmm. or hulu or prime or whatever i think i think it would do very well and i think if they were to revisit it they should do that and bring it yeah. to a streaming platform that would be fun i agree i agree i'd love to see it i would i would love to see the uh i would even love to just see like a a wrap up movie or something yeah, I mean, it would be great if they could do kind of like what Joss Whedon did with Firefly and created Serenity, like a spinoff mm-hmm. movie, like to to wrap up that storyline. Yes. I think give us give us Eric Kripke. We are speaking to you and John and JJ. We're just gonna call you on first name basis. We feel like we know you that well at this yeah. point. We digest all of your shit. Um, so we're speaking directly to you right now. We want a uh, spinoff movie to wrap up that insane cliffhanger. Wrap it up. And, yeah. Yeah, like, and and bring it to streaming. Yeah. you have more yes. flexibility. Yes. JJ, it looks like HBO Max is giving you the world. Tell them mm. you want to do, like, Zack Snyder's getting his, like, four-part series of Justice League, which I'm like, hurry up 2021. Get here mm. so I can see this this four episode arc of Justice League and I will rewatch all of the movies before this just so that I can be prepared. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. So that is my report on the television show Revolution. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed me reading articles to you. Um if you watch the show, tell me what you thought about it. So, I'm gonna... Such a good job, Keenan. Really you. good job. I And I love, I was so excited when I found out you were doing Revolution um, because you and I have had conversations about that before. That was one, just one more show that we discovered that we had in common that we yes. we watched, that we both liked. And, uh, and I really couldn't find, at the time, I don't know if you had this experience, but at the time, I really didn't know a lot of people who watched that show. Um, yeah, like outside of me and my roommate Kelly, like we were the only people 
that we knew that watched the show. But you know, I bet it has like an undercover cult fan Probably. Base. Probably, Probably not as big as like shows like Buffy or, you know, like some of those others, but um, I bet there's like more of an undercover sort of. Yeah. Uh, I mean, clearly a hundred, whatever thousand people signed the petition to, to get it back. So, yeah, I mean, we're out there, <laughs> you know, we're out there floating around somewhere. Um, so it was a fun show. And if I misremembered anything about any of the plot lines that I talked about, please let me know. Because as I said, I'm working solely off memory. But what y'all don't know is that my memory is garbage. <laughs> so, uh, hell, I hope the show worked out the way I remembered it. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I mean, I like as you were describing, I think you did a great job of running it down because as you were talking about it, it started coming back to me. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that. And, um, and it made me feel like I was reliving a little bit. So great job. It was job. good stuff. It was good stuff. So thank you, Wikipedia. Thank you, TV Guide, for having this like letter, letter from Eric Kripke. And thank you, IGN, for this article that I read. And I think those are my sources. Okay, Jonah, so what are you doing today? Okay, so in the spirit of Halloween, I mm. selected a show that um, fits right into the supernatural uh, genre, okay. and it may be one that you know. It It's probably not one that a lot of people know. It was very short-lived, and it was on a network uh, or a channel that you know, like, has a very specific kind of target audience. Mm -hmm. This show is The Witches of East End. that show oh i remember it i remember it i may have watched two seasons possibly one how many yeah. seasons were there it was only two seasons <laughs> okay then i think i only saw the first season i've Look, never seen the i love season. okay so it's so funny i love that we both pick shows that we both have seen that we both liked and that we like that both have only two seasons that's so funny that, and that, that both aired at the same time yeah, they both aired at the same time. Like, like so. Uh, so this show. Okay, so let me just get into it. Um, and I'm going to do some, like a, a little bit of a breakdown. I'm going to do some general show, a general show description, and then I'm going to get a little bit more meatier with the series synopsis. Um, okay. And then, and then nail down a little bit about like some notes that I made about like the characters and the storylines and stuff that I thought were interesting. Um, and so I got my, like my source material is from, um, 
Wikipedia again. <laughs> I'm like, you apparently, know, it's just easier. <laughs> well, I think for, for these situations, like, when you're just talking about TV shows, I don't think it's much of an issue. I think you shouldn't be doing, like, political research via Wikipedia. Or should be doing like report, book reports via Wikipedia. Research paper. Like, yeah, yeah, no, but I think I feel like basic stuff like this, like just information that can easily be found anywhere, is going to be like gathered and generally accurate on right. Wikipedia. And I'm comfortable with using Wikipedia in these situations because I am familiar enough with the content of like with the shows and stuff that. I right. feel like I can call it out if I, if it's not accurate. Um, so Wikipedia provided the following information. Um, Witches of Easton is an American TV series based on the 2011 novel of the same name by Melissa De La Cruz. So it's based mm -hmm. on a book. Um, the series premiered on Lifetime mm -hmm. on October 6, 2013, and ended on October 5, 2014, after two seasons. So something to note, I feel like around this time, Lifetime really started delivering us some really interesting TV content. You know, they've often, for so long, Lifetime was known as, like, the movie network for, like, typically female-driven and mm -hmm. female-led shows with a lot of, like, female-relatable content. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and a lot of their TV series had that as well, but then you saw, like, a, like all these different shows popping up that were really, like, notable and kind of edgy, um, like The Client List with Jennifer uh, Love Hewitt was one um, that came, that was airing around the same time. There was another, like a detective cop show that I really liked called Against the Wall, where this um, this young female detective worked in, um, she worked in, um, what's the, what's the part of the like law division? Oh God, I'm about to butcher this. Like the division of, like police detective work that investigates um, bad cops. Oh, internal affairs. Internal affairs. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why I cannot remember. But she worked at internal affairs, but she was in a family of cops, so it was okay. a very interesting. Yeah. Ooh, it was, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. It was, and it was like there's a lot of sex in it, and it was just like, honey, there's a reason they call it against the wall. I'm just like, Oh my, but. <laughs> my my extensive of of viewing television shows on Lifetime Network was the series Any Day Now with Annie Potts and Lorraine Toussaint. Yes, yes. Because I love it. Yes, because like I was such a fan of designing women as a kid. Warning sign that your child was a homosexual. Uh, <laughs> that I I loved Annie Potts. So I was going to watch anything she was in. That I think she, I think she's in like Pretty in Pink. Literally, the only reason I watch Pretty in Pink is because Amy Potts is in Pretty Pink. She, she was Janine and the Ghostbusters. Yeah, God, she is so lovable. I anytime, I'm always anytime I see her in anything, I lean yeah. in a little bit. I'm like, oh yes, what are you yeah. about to deliver us today? Yes. And that show introduced me to Lorraine Toussaint, and she was. Uh, 
Amazing, but this we're not talking about any day now. But yes. no, no, no. no. Yeah, well, back in the day, and that was way before like this series. That was like yeah, back oh in, yeah, like, no, it was two thousands. Yeah, because that because was they're also the in, same like, time that show that female cop show, The Division, also aired at the same time. Do you remember with Vivica I remember A. Fox? That yeah, oh that was wait no show, was that. it was it Vivica A. Fox? No, I think Vivica A. Fox was in One Eight Hundred Missing, right? I must admit that I didn't follow a whole lot of Vivica's <laughs> career after the the lips. She had those injections at some point and her lips were so weird. I couldn't watch her. And I was like, <laughs> what is wrong with her lips? I, I just couldn't. Like it was couldn't. very, it was so, it was so distracting. Like Yes. yes. Uh, until I think, I guess up until Kill Bill, I was, See, I thought it was after Kill Bill. Was it after Kill I, Bill? I noticed the the lip thing. Maybe it was. I, don't know, after I feel Kill like Bill. we are chasing down a rabbit that is. It it is like it is, and that will probably get canceled for talking about her bad lip injection. <laughs> you started it. <laughs> you know, I'll die on that hill. They weren't great. She looks fucking fantastic she now. Is, she is absolutely beautiful. But that was um, just a bad job. So this show is set in the fictional seaside town of East End. It follows the lives of a family of witches, Joanna Beauchamp, which is played by Julia Ormond, and her two grown-up daughters, Freya Beauchamp, played by Jenna Dewan, at the time Tatum, pre-divorce, and Ingrid Beauchamp, played by Rachel Boston, as well as uh, Joanna Beauchamp's sister, Wendy Beauchamp, I've got to stop saying that last name. I feel like I'm probably butchering it. Um, who is played by God Be With Me as I say this name, but I believe it is Medchen Amick. Medchen Amick, which is of, okay, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to her because um, you definitely know who she is. I know you know who she is. If you don't, I'm going to be very disappointed. We'll, well, I, we'll have to cancel this podcast immediately. I'm probably going to know who she is. Because um, I don't so anyway, Okay. Okay, so uh, put a bookmark on that, and we'll go back to yeah. it. Um, okay, so uh, taking in a little bit into the series, like, plot line. So um, with Julia Armand's lead character of Joanna... She plays a witch and mother of Freya, of course, and Ingrid, who are part of the next generation of witches. And um, Metchen Amick co-stars as Joanna's mischievous witch sister, Wendy. And the series is loosely based on the book's plot, with, with one change being that Freya and Ingrid are initially unaware of their magical powers. So in the book, they are very much aware, and they have, like, uh, like a lot of control and understanding and knowledge of their powers, but yeah. in the TV series, that there's the opposite. They are totally oblivious to the fact that they're witches up until the point when things start, you know, happening. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. it is very much similar to the Charmed, Charmed. like plot or yeah. the Charmed pilot. Um. And actually, I'm going to take a little bit of a detour for a second to read, in case you're interested, um, let's say, like, those listening may have seen Witches of East End and Keenan, like, you've seen it, uh, and if you're interested in digging into the book a little bit, which is what it's based on, um, this is a 
sort of um, synopsis of the book or teaser of the book um, that was published in 2011. Um, and it says, and keep in mind, some of the details are slightly different, like the names and stuff like that. But I thought, like, overall, it's generally the same plot line. Um, and I like how it's written. It says, it's the beginning of summer in Northampton, and beautiful Freya Beauchamp is celebrating her engagement to wealthy Grand Gardner, the heir to Fairhaven and Gardner's Island. But Freya is drawn to Brand's gorgeous but unreliable brother, Killian, and sparks fly when the two decide to play a dangerous game, following an ancient story of love, betrayal, and tragedy that harks back to the days of Valhalla. Witches of East End follows the Beauchamp family, the formidable matriarch Joanna and her daughters Freya and Ingrid. Freya, a sexy bartender, has a potion to cure every kind of heartache, while Ingrid, the local librarian, solves complicated domestic problems with her ability to tie magical knots. Joanna is the witch to see when modern medicine has no more answers. Her powers can wake the dead. Everything seems to be going smoothly until a young girl, Molly Lancaster, goes missing after taking one of Freya's irresistible cocktails. As more of the town's residents begin disappearing, everyone seems to have the same suspects in mind, the Beauchamp women. Fraught with love, small town secrets, and witchcraft, witches of East End will capture any reader who craves a page-turning, heart-stopping story of myth and magic from an author who knows how to deliver. So that is a description of the novel. Um, it's, uh, for the most part, similar. There are some details um, that are different, but switching back over to the TV series, since that's our focus and what I'm more familiar with, mm -hmm. uh, something to note, and I actually watched the series pilot right before we started recording, and just to refresh my memory, because it's been so long, um, and I noted a few things. So the younger, which essentially this is how this, the TV series is set up um, in contrast to the book. The younger witch sisters, Freya and Ingrid, have been cursed to live and die in cycles for hundreds of years. Each time after they discover their witch heritage or powers and start practicing magic, they are fated to die before they turn 30 only for mother witch Joanna to become pregnant again with the sisters, giving birth to another ill-fated ill cycle. So that's like their sort of curse. Like she has a curse. The mom has a curse of like immortality of motherhood or something like that. And so she is cursed to give birth to these two daughters. The daughters grow up to a certain age, become like 20 something women and they start practicing magic using their powers shortly after uh, they meet their demise at various ways. Mm -hmm. um, at one point they was burned at the stake, other times they were sick and died or something like that. Um, and then immediately once they die, and they usually die at the same time, they, she is almost immediately pregnant all over again and she has to go through the, the whole process uh, again her sister, Joanna's sister, Wendy, she, um, she is cursed in a different way. She actually duels as a cat. And she has, she has like 
I don't know that it's exactly nine lives. It may have been, but it sort of was along that same theme of like a cat having nine lives and that she would familiar. die and, and be resurrected in a way. Um, and she would kind of flip between a cat and, um, and a, a woman. So, um, and even in the, ser- in the series pilot, she died twice. <laughs> and like, okay, how many, like, does this happen to you all the time? Because shouldn't you have stopped coming back to life by now? Because <laughs> at one point she jokes like, oh, I got hit by a, like she, at the top of the series, she gets hit by, hit by a car as a cat and then turns into a woman. Because I guess how it happens is if she is like a, a woman at the time she dies she turns back into a cat at her death and vice versa if she is killed as a woman she turns into a cat in her death and so did i just say the same thing you did (laughs) oh my god i'm a full like 135 milliliters of wine in so sorry about that um (laughs) but so anyway you get the point and um i i just think i love that um because they sort of poke fun at it at, at certain points, I think. Um, but that's sort of her curse. Like, she can live a long time if she's conservative with her lives, but she's really not. She's kind of reckless. That's kind of what I love about that character. Um, so the show starts differently from the book in that Joanna is keeping her girls' powers secret from them in a desperate effort to protect them from their fate. And then you have Wendy pop in, Aunt Wendy, the fun aunt, which, who is like, no, you need to tell them, like, how do they not know? And they didn't even know she existed. Their mom kept everything, like, a tight lid on everything. And and that lifetime was very, like, spent being, like, very protective of them in order to try to keep them alive and break the curse, I guess. Um, The thing about curses... You can't break them unless they are broken for you <laughs> by the people who curse you, usually. <laughs> um, so that's kind of, that ends up coming back and biting them. I mean, because what happens yeah, is yeah. It, 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 fate comes through. They, their powers are revealed by the end of the, the first episode of the series. And soon after they, they are, they have to come be, uh, be upfront with the girls about their powers and their heritage as witches. Um, so on November 4, 2014, Lifetime canceled Witches of Easton after a decline in ratings during the second season. And the series finale aired on October 5th, 2014. So, you know, it definitely aired at this around the same time. Like yeah, it, was, yeah. it also was like wrapped up in the same year as, um, as revolution so that's interesting um well they were just canceling shows canceling shows left and right that year huh (laughs) yeah for a second i was like was this during the writer strike but that was several years before that and there weren't a lot of things canceled and revolved in in like around that because like oh i want to do a show that was canceled because of the writer's strike and that didn't yeah the writer's strike happened in like i think between 28 and 2010 and because that was the time that Heroes was on air, and it suffered greatly because of the writer strike. In fact, I think Heroes probably would have lasted longer if it had not been for that show. Was, and I don't think shows at in, that time. It was. It says two thousand seven, two thousand eight. 
Mm, yeah. I just Googled it. Okay. Yeah. Because I was like, I thought I said, I thought I read seven earlier. Yeah, maybe I thought I went too far. I was thinking of like how long um, Heroes ran and that it ran until yeah. 2010. Uh, but it's funny because there's almost like, you can tell like the shows that were on at that time, if you go by the way, you could really tell when the storyline started to plummet and the character development really started to suck ass. Mm. And, and you're like, wait, what's the time on this? And you're like, oh, 27, 27 to 28. Like that's, that's the writer's strike. It's like right. they had the mate, the maintenance workers in there writing the show instead of the actual yeah. writer. Yeah, like no, the directors hired, got in there and tried to like. They hired non-union writers mm-hmm. to come in and write the shows. And it showed. <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, so some notable things I took down about the show, I kind of liken this to like charm meets practical magic. Okay. That's sort of like what I compared it to. Um, what what about you? I remember watching it and I was like, it's like if Desperate Housewives had magic. That was that was oh. that was my whole like thing when I was, I was like, it's like Desperate Housewives, but witches. I was very into it. Yeah, I can see that because there was that whole like kind of scandalous part of Freya's character in the show having this super overwhelming like attraction to her fiance's brother, Killian. Mm-hmm. Okay, these names like these names like one brother the brother that she's engaged to his name is God, I forgot it that fast. Like, I heard it earlier, and I was like, did they really uh, give him this name? I IMDB these people earlier. Because you have the Beauchamp film girls. Are you thinking of Dr. Dashel Dash Gardner? Dash! They call him Dash. I'm like, and he is very dashing, by the way. He's a very oh, yeah, good looking no, man. He's very handsome. And you've absolutely seen him on things. And his brother is just like that dirty, raw kind of hot. Like they, mm-hmm. they did very well with the casting in the show. Um, and they made, and so Freya and the brother are just, they just have this like very overwhelming attraction, like very heated, very passionate that like she doesn't have with Dash. God, what a terrible name. And, and you find out later why, and I'm not gonna spill exactly why, but I will tell you this little clue. There is a lot of the a big part of the mythology of this show is history and past lives. Mm-hmm. That's a big part. So it's a really interesting mythology in that way. Um, so if you're into that kind of thing, then the show definitely has that. But so uh, another thing that I noted. Like, it even, like, their fam the family home where a lot of the show is shot, mm-hmm. uh, even looks super similar to the Hollywood Manor. Do you re- remember that? Vaguely. I feel like until there stop being supernaturally shows, like, the Charmed Manor is going to be the layout for any magical house mm-hmm. going forward. I think like having that foyer with the grand staircase and you know like the solarium over here and you're like liver like that kind of layout is gonna be what every witchy house looks like going forward. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've seen a lot of it in like TV and movies, and mm-hmm. um, but let me tell you, nothing holds a candle to Hollowell Manor. Like I that... would <laughs> love to live in that fucking house. I just want to tour it. I don't even have to hit live in it. I just want to see the inside of the real house. The house is in LA, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because the show was set in San Francisco. The house was in LA. I remember as a like a teenager researching all that and going through it. You would have thought I was doing like a full-on book report on this show, the way I like documented and researched everything. But like I ran I had pictures of all the different rooms in the house. Like I just literally had a suitcase full of charmed like like yes. documentation and like like I cut out all these pictures. I'm really showing my nerd muscles right now. But like <laughs> like I I cut out all these pictures and I um I was just obsessed with everything about that show. Every and I know you were too. Like we've talked about yeah, this before. Yeah, like we like fucking... we both wrote our own spells and um, yeah. like it was a whole thing. What I want of like anything like I think it, the day that I it, the greatest gift I could ever receive is like a replica book of shadows. Like I don't need their stuff in it, but I just want a book that looks just mm-hmm. like that one. The one on the reboot series looks pretty cool too, but like it, it there's just something about that original series mm-hmm. book that is just like. And you have to have the aged pages too in it. Oh like yeah, in, like like tea gotta, like tea, yeah, like tea dye those pages. That's that has to be a part of the whole situation. But I want yeah. that book. I'm with you. I'm with you. I would put that so proudly on display in my house. Like oh, it won't yes. go with any anything else in my house but like I would be so proud of it um another thing to know like in this show that was similar to Charmed was there is a Daryl like detective character in this show and he's black what (laughs) is that about oh my god could you be any more on the nose they're like we're gonna take this formula and we're gonna use it for this like adopt the fuck out of it for this yeah. show and maybe people will like us enough to watch like indefinitely but like that did not happen um yeah it was kind of one of those things that at the time i really liked the show mm-hmm. and i watched it every week but re-watching the the pilot i was like i don't know that i would love it as much now you know what i mean um yeah. i would love to see a like a reboot of it or like it to return but on like maybe like what we're talking about it's a revolution like returning on a streaming platform to give it a little bit better quality but i have to say this show i thought had just as much if not better quality in terms of like special effects and stuff and and like like magical content supernatural content as charm did i think um and it was darker i feel like it It was was very dark yeah yeah, and um, and also, okay, so I'm going to talk about, like, standout characters, which for me, just re-watching the pilot, with, like, there was one standout character for me who, like, that still stands out to me as I re-watch this show, and that is uh, Mention Amex character, Wendy. Fun and which Wendy <laughs> um you know her from Twin Peaks back in the day as well as the revival 
No, I don't. Uh, I never watched that show. Yeah, I never watched that either. Uh, but I did watch Stephen King's Skinwalkers. Do you remember that movie? Mm-mm. Did you ever watch that? Where, like, the people, like, these this family or these people like were uh it, it, oh oh speaking of charms okay so this is a fun little like set like six degrees of like charmed or whatever mm-hmm. um so oh uh, why am i going blank the white lighter and charms leo leo that brian kraus yeah brian kraus starred in Stephen King's Skinwalkers back in the early 90s. He was, was that the main Skinwalkers? I thought that was Tommyknockers that he was in. Mm-hmm. So then I, I did mean, see that one. Yeah, Skinwalkers where they're like cat people. They're like fucking yes. cats. Yes. yes, I did see that. I always thought okay. that was Tommyknockers. Okay, wah. so Metchin Amick is the young girl, his love interest in that show who is like, like the the final girl the only thing i remember about that is he had a very 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 disturbing relationship with his mother yeah that's all i remember that's all i remember from that i remember watching that as a kid and thinking this feels wrong (laughs) i was like oh is that is that what they do is that what they're doing okay i was like i was like i don't feel like i should be watching this but it's got cat people and they kill people so i have to watch it you know (laughs) wait but like don't like they don't like real cats around right like i remember them like killing like having bear traps out for cats because like Like, cats eat them yeah like they don't fuck with real cats that's what's so funny to me like they're literal cat people who don't fuck with real cats. They're, like, they're real afraid cats? of them. Mm-mm, mm-mm, they're afraid of them. Because there were multiple times in that movie where, um, like, Metchin Amit's character will, um, like, she was rescued at a few different points, I think, by cats. <laughs> like, I think something, like, he came close to getting her because they start, like sort of suck the energy or something out of people i want to say yeah that sounds right Mm -hmm. and and that came they came close to doing that and but the cat will like pop in like from out of screen and like land there and he'll freak the fuck out and show his real face and that's how she like anyway like she that that's a classic whether you like it or not um she's also um betty's mom in riverdale Yes, Alice. Fucking mm-hmm. Alice Cooper is my biatch when she's not lying to her kids. Yeah, I don't really care for her character in Riverdale, honestly, but I really love her character in Witches of Easton. Like, um, she's edgy, morally gray, an independent feminist who, and these are my, these are the words I wrote down in descript- describing her independent feminist who knows her power and her worth both as a witch and a woman she is absolutely fun to watch um and if i were to continue rewatching this show she would be what i watch it for to be honest um i think she could carry her own honestly in her own series um mm. and i think she's hideously what i've seen of riverdale she's hideous, hideously underused underutilized in that show 
But maybe she's got more like screen time and more like plot development and stuff. Yeah. I only saw the one season, I think. Okay, yeah, no, because there's this whole thing where like her kid that she had to put up for adoption, like somebody comes back and it's yeah, I remember that. that Like she starts to become a little bit bigger. Like she's kind. I think her character was like in a a cult for a hot minute. There's just something about Alice that I enjoy. Again, when she's not lying. When she's being like, yeah, I think I think what I fucking Alice reporter Alice. I'm into Alice. Okay. So she puts on her Lois Lane pants. <laughs> well, um, anyway, I really I like her in the show. So if you're into that kind of character, then she's a treat. Um, and she's like, she's very witty and sarcastic in that show, and super sassy and like fun like fun loving and uh but also has some very motherly qualities that um come out here or there for her nieces you know like she's very protective of them i think that's really cool and sweet um yeah i don't know i just like her. i feel like she's kind of like the character i feel like so many of us have has that kind of person in our life or have has had or really just wants that kind of person in our life and um anyway i feel like i'm going on and on about her as if i want to marry her which i kind of do actually she's fucking amazing but um yeah so that's that is uh which is a beast in i didn't spend a lot of time researching it um Mm -hmm. just because i feel like you know what you see is what you get in the first episode um you know, but they also, in the pilot, they, they lay out a lot of groundwork for the mythology of the show, and it ends on, like, a, like, a twist or a cliffhanger a little bit, um, because of the mother, there is, like, a villain in the show that's revealed in this, the plot, who looks just like the mother, and she's going around killing people, and Mm -hmm. doing bad things, got some creepy-ass eyes, and, um, the mother gets arrested at the end of the show, and Aunt Wendy gets slashed in the gut by the woman who looks just like her sister and dies on the floor and turns back into a cat again. <laughs> like the show opens with her dying and then closes with her dying. <laughs> I'm like, bitch, you need to preserve your lives. <laughs> right. I'm like, bitch. Um. So, and you can actually watch this for free on Hulu uh, if you have a Hulu subscription. Oh, I if you do. don't, then you can't watch it for free. <laughs> but uh, also Amazon Prime on IMDb TV. You okay. can watch it there as well. I may so. have to like go back and revisit that. Did it have how many episodes per season? Do you remember? Did you look? I think it's. I think it said like ten. I think it. Oh. I think it started with ten the first season, and then the second season had like thirteen. So I think altogether it had like 23. Okay. Um, just just a, a like a little bit of extra. The guy, Sam Winter, so one of the brothers, not Dashiell. No, that. Fuck! How many guys did this person play? 
Well, you know, there's like a, there's the whole past lives. Yeah, that's okay. So the, the brother, the brother that is not Dashiell, because Killian. Well, they have him listed for Killian too. What the fuck? They have this other guy listed. Shit. Anyways, one of those brothers was a random boyfriend on Charmed in season oh. five. Who was a random Charmed boyfriend? Huh. I I I would probably bet that it's the one that plays Dash, huh. the clean cuts, pretty boy. Yes. Why are their names on both people? Let me just go to the show. This is bullshit. Sam Winter played Dash. Yes. So it was Dashel. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, he looked really familiar. I couldn't place where else I've seen him. And I've definitely seen him in other things since then, as well as the brother. Because uh, let me tell you, those are not faces you forget very easily. <laughs> like, that's, it is one of those shows that with a very beautiful cast. Yeah, like it's like it's what it's really what makes one of it like the like one of the things that makes that show very enjoyable because they're all so pretty. And let me tell, there was like Jenna Dewan is so beautiful to me, and she just looks witchy, like a very like I don't know. There's just a very witchy quality to her. It's just very yeah. like beautiful and sexy. The other brother, Killian, is Daniel D. Tommaso. He is currently in. Uh, the Dynasty reboot. Yeah, he's gay in that, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Oh yeah. I thought that, I thought I saw him in something recent. I mean, I didn't watch that. I just saw like the cover photo on Netflix, and I, I made a mental note of like going back to that at some point because he's kissing yeah. a guy, <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, hot guy alert, kissing another hot guy. Check. He's also he's also in that new Ratcheted series. Oh, you know I haven't started that, but I plan to. It's on my I've list. not. I'm just you know I'm on his IMDb page. I'm like, oh, okay, I see. Yeah, well, and you, you know, don't have Netflix, so you can't watch it. Yeah, yeah, we're on that trial separation. Um, Bianca Lawson also does ten episodes of the show, aka Kendra, the Vampire Slayer. Wait a minute. She is in Witches of East End? Yeah. Uh, give me a second. I'll tell you. You know she's immortal, so she looks mm-hmm. the same. <laughs> uh, she plays Ava Gardner uh, and Selena and then someone named Ava Cairo. Hmm. But it shows that she's in 10 episodes, so I wonder if she's just in like, season, yeah, because they're 2014, so she'll be in, she comes in in season, season two. two. Okay. So that was like right I off I want to say, I think, oh, you know, I think that she ends up being a love interest to uh, Killian. Okay. I want to explain say why maybe. she has the Gardner uh, last name. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. All right. So there's that. Current TV, Keenan. What you watching these days? Oh, my God. So. I'm I'm doing that. I'm still doing Once Upon a Time. I'm very close to finishing season four. I don't know if I'm going to watch season five. I cannot remember. I just remember it being bad. Uh, so I don't know. But Is the boys, season five its last season? Yeah, that's that weird season where, like, I think Selena, the sister is there. 
wait. I, I, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's so weird. There's I, I don't. I um, would not know the ref- any reference you give about that show because I have never seen it. <laughs> Selena, not Selena. Oh, it's it's a very interesting take on different fairy tales, and. I am not a fan of Snow White. She's probably my least favorite of the Disney princesses. And this show made me enjoy Snow White. Mm-hmm. And as someone who loves Maleficent, I don't feel like Maleficent gets enough play. But she has a storyline this season. Or like, because they this season they did a whole like, this shit's happening at the top of it. And then the back half, which is probably like the after Christmas break half of the season has a whole other storyline. And so her her storyline is is going on right now. I'm like, oh, I forgot about this shit. Um, but anyways, The Boys just wrapped. And I know I mentioned this a little earlier. Uh, there was a moment in that show. Do you know when there's an antagonist that you just hate? They're like a horrible person. And you're like, ooh, when you get yours, you want to see them get theirs. So happy. Uh-huh. This person got theirs. And the moment of the fight was just so good. Everything about it, everything that you wanted to happen all season happens. Mm. And it was so satisfying. I don't know why I let out this cathartic, like, yes, I was jumping up and down. I was like, Get that ass! It was <laughs> so good. And then I was like, is this wrong that I got so much pleasure from this? And I'm really trying to avoid anything specific because you, you just got to see it. It's so good. And the moment it happens, you will be like, this is what made Keenan so happy. And of course, because it's the boys, it took a horrible turn and the end was devastating, but it was still very good. I'm jealous because I I was a big fan of the first season, and I I don't have Prime now. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm on trial separation with Prime if we're gonna <laughs> like keep that going. But um, I I really want to see it, and I've been trying to avoid spoilers on Twitter because you know they there's a lot of like like visual content posted about it and you know it only takes like three seconds of watching like one of those teaser videos for something to be ruined yeah so i just like scroll real fast <laughs> past it like no can't look <laughs> oh yeah it's... Uh, it's just like my butt cheeks tighten up whenever like someone mentions it i'm just like anytime you mention it i'm like oh god please don't yeah but i know that you are really careful about spoilers because you hate to get them yourself Oh, well, I definitely tweeted about that scene, but I don't think you would be able to, like, make out go, what's happening go. from yeah. the GIF. I don't think the GIF really gives it away. I don't think the GIF gives it away. I don't, I don't think I've even seen a tweet, like, that tweet that you're referring to. I haven't seen any tweets of yours from... Um, I typically will the watch show. the boys on my lunch break on Fridays or Saturday morning if I don't like if I didn't watch it the day before and I may tweet about it like on a Sunday I will wait a day before I <laughs> post something uh it's very thoughtful of you I just oh it was so good and of course Lovecraft Country it's just mm-hmm. it's it's 
fucking amazing. Is getting ready to wrap up, and it's just like yes. the penultimate episode was so. Oh, <sighs> uh, it was really. Mm. It was it. Oh gosh, yeah. Like it's like you don't even you want to use words, like actual words, to describe it, so it because you you don't like. It's hard to describe, but also you don't want to ruin yeah. it for anyone. So. Um, I do want to say I think I think it was really awesome. Like Misha Green released a statement about the handling of Yahima's character. Mm, I the, saw that, the, yeah, spirit, and it was so beautiful to see that like this was something that really concerned her that she had to make yeah. a statement about it because it is a story of a character that we have not seen on television and just like not only for her to be murdered but just like the violent on-scene murder that happened yeah like just... i feel like that character was set up to be something really valuable and then dismissed very dismissed quickly because, yes exactly i was like yahima could be a very powerful ally to these you know to our to our team but it was it was one of the moments in that show that i was very disappointed with honestly yeah. when i when i watched that episode i was like what mm -hmm. the fuck was the even the point yeah. of bringing her in if that's the case like right. what a, what a to, way to to point to even to point out that this character is too spirit and it, it it was really upsetting and uh even for her misha green to 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 say and i'm paraphrasing because i may be like miss i don't want to like super misquote it but she said something one of the things they did want to show is that the oppressor oppress the oppressed can be the oppressors mm -hmm. which really relates back to, uh, to to me a lot of the with black lives matter and people not lumping gay, trans, and gender non-conforming Black people into that movement, or like keeping queer folk out of the movement. Like this, uh, the, the oppressed group are oppressing a whole like other group. But it, it, it oh, it was it really warmed me to see that statement to say like. I'm acknowledging that we did not do a great job of handling yes. this. Of just owning um, it and and apologizing and um yeah, I really appreciate it. I saw that and I really yeah. I really liked that. I thought that was really cool and big of her to do that. Um mm, such a good such a good series. Nothing else yeah. on TV like it. Um so, so I I just wrapped Nurse Jackie uh watched Nurse, Nurse Jackie for the first time on Netflix. Um, and it was interesting. Like, I know, I don't want to no. say anything about the ending because I know you never got that far. Yeah. Um, but I found it to be a pretty realistic take on, like, addiction overall. Um, I think uh, Edie Falco, it makes sense that I feel like I heard her name came up multiple times over the years during the run of that show for awards mm -hmm, during award mm -hmm. season. I think she probably, if she wasn't nominated, she she won or, you know, so, and I it makes sense as to why, like, cause she plays that. So, okay, so here's the interesting thing. I don't think I've ever had this really happen before, but like, I never watched The Sopranos, right? Mm -hmm. um, never really had much of a desire to, 
But watching Nurse Jackie and watching her performance in this and how well she does makes me want to watch The Sopranos just to see her. Is that crazy? No, I think when we find, you know, like actors that give us characters that we really enjoy, we want to see more of them or go, oh, I didn't realize that person is in this. I might have to give it a shot, you know, like, so that, that makes sense. I myself have never really cared about The Sopranos. Like it's, mafia stuff is not really my cup of tea. Um, but I can see how, oh fuck, he's frozen again. Okay, everyone. So he, Jonah lost uh, his signal. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up because that's the way it works. You know, technology, it does its thing and we have to rock and roll and move with it. So I am going to do socials and give you his and I'll give you mine. I'll give you the podcast. And like I said at the top, we'll give you a good link or a way to get to his GoFundMe page. So let's start with the podcast. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at the rewind underscore pod on Instagram at the rewind podcast. You can visit our website and see all the different places where you can stream our podcast uh, at anchor.fm slash rewind dash podcast. If you have any shows that were canceled too soon that you want to uh, share with us why you loved it and a little bit about the show, uh, email us at therewindpodcast1 at gmail.com. As I said, I will be a little bitter about that one every time I have to read it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the KT Walker. Um, on those things, you will find my link tree with other photography uh, links and my website and the other podcasts that I'm doing. So yay on all that stuff. You can follow Jonah on Instagram at Adventures of Jonah. You can follow him on Twitter at quirky writer guy and also if you want to donate to messers gofundme you will go to gofundme.com slash messer surgery fund a messer is m-e-s-s-e-r and give what you can because the puppy's alive y'all alive okay so with that being said you have our socials. You've listened to this long podcast. I hope you enjoyed all of our chats and conversations. And we are just so appreciative of anyone that wants to spend a little time with us and hear what we have to say about these shows. So um, I want you all to continue to be kind and please rewind. Goodbye. Just be kind. And listen to the rewind